Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Angelina from Dunstable, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, what's the most useless talent you have? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dame Baptiste Question Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer, hello, and a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from. Well, we are talking everything from Angela from Dunstable's question. What's the most useless talent you have, Dane? Uh, ooh, I mean, I've, I've got a few. I don't know what yours. What's your? Is top? there such a thing as a useless talent? Um, well, I can tell you that I can bend my finger back far, and that's kind of almost like mini contortionist <laughs> skills. That's useful. That's no. like a threshold. That, think about it, Howard. This, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the scene. Right. Mm. Question everything. The best podcast, <laughs> basically on the waves, becomes way too political for the powers that be liking. <laughs> Suddenly, you are kidnapped in an extraordinary, extra, extraordinary rendition, and you are sent to a black site. They're like, we're going to start with your fingers, Howard. We want to know what he knows. And you're like, go ahead. Ah, ah. What, what about you, though, Dan? You've got, you must have a, a useless talent, I'm sure. I mean, I think I have several useless talents, but uh, talents, can any talent be considered useless? Um, no. You know, even the most useless talent is, is, it may have a use at some point. Um, you can pick up stuff with your toes, can't you? Yeah, I, I can pick up like pound coins and stuff with my toes, which I guess That's is not... pretty cool that useful in the advent of like magnets and you know backs that allow you to bend down and pick them up um also i could also like lick a knife and eat with a knife without cutting my tongue okay okay so you've got knife skills and feet skills okay well it said useless howard i'm aware i'm not mocking you i'm just letting you know um listen angela angelina hello from dunstable thank you for your question uh hope that answers it listeners let us know your useless talents and suffice to say on this podcast we ask and answer all the questions don't we dane Absolutely. Answering all the questions on this podcast might be one of the most useful talents we have on this show. So if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network where you can hear all the questions being answered by our very special guests. And with that being said, on today's show, our guest is a British Labour Party politician. She is currently a member of parliament for the constituency of Brent Central in London. She was the first elected black female government minister in the UK, a passionate campaigner for young people. She's an honorary vice president of the British Youth Council and was chair of the all-party parliamentary group on youth affairs. And last year, she was named in Vogue's top 25 women shaping 2020. Naturally, if you don't know, she ain't here to wait on you guys. Please welcome to the show, <laughs> MP Dawn Butler. Hey, hi guys. How you all doing? We're we good. Are great. Dawn, listen, you didn't, you're the first politician that said yes. <laughs> We've tried to get politicians, because this is a political show at many times, and we, we, we don't get, you, you actually got, you responded to us, so thank you. 
Oh, absolute pleasure. But I mean, politicians, some politicians are scared, aren't they? Uh, I'm, I'm not scared. You can ask me what questions. I can even tell you my useless talent is that I can cross all my thing, fingers oh! at the same time. <laughs> That's not a useless, useless talent. Really. I mean, it's like, who? Well, I, I, there's no reason why I need to do this, but yeah. <laughs> you, say, you say that, Dawn, but I want you to think, all right, it's me, you and Howard. We're back at the, temp- we're back at the Temple of Doom. They've captured Indiana Jones. Now they need some weird alien technology handprint to open this chamber where Indiana Jones is being killed. My big old five stubby fingers can't do it. Howard's can't either. Can we find someone with, who appears to have some kind of quasi-Vulcan ancestry to open the door? That's where MP Dawn Bratton comes in. So now Indiana Jones I quite like that. See, I like the way your I like the way your brain works, Dane. I like it. That's it. There's nothing, there's nothing useless about having a talent. I think you know people should never consider it to be useless, and I think that's a great talent. It's, it's gonna. Don't worry, it'll come in handy one day, and you'll be like, I hope so. I'm glad. I die. <laughs> um, so first of all, Dawn, again, I have to, as well as Howard, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. As we said, um, it's rare that we have politicians that are willing to engage with audiences and uh, speak to the laity like yourself. So thank you very much. Just to give you an idea of how significant your appearance is, we said to Katie Hopkins, come on then. And she said no, twice. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, so we appreciate how, how how is life going for you as a uh, parliamentary representative post lockdown in this uh, new world? Um, I mean, it's it's intense, right? This has been a really intense uh, what one and a half years, really. Yeah. I think or is it yeah, a, yeah. it's been so so intense. So the work hasn't stopped. Everything's been done on Zoom. Um, it's really interesting. You know, so many people have lost their lives. Um, there's all these debates around vaccinations. All of a sudden, everyone wants to know what's in a vaccination. Um, so it's it's been a really intense time and a really sad time mm. uh, for many people. And then you balance that with um, how communities have got together and how yeah. people have connected and, you know, how people are listening to podcasts more, mm. you know, and yeah. that's why your podcast is doing so well because people are finding comfort in just listening to other people talking. And so there's lots of different things that have come out of this. And then also I think um, it's really shown us just how much a corrupt government can get away with when we're in a pandemic. Yeah. Well said. Very Definitely. well said. I mean, you know, they're just trying to, whilst, whilst we're all focused on surviving and, you know, protecting our loved ones, this government has just been siphoning off money and giving it to their mates, thinking that we wouldn't notice. And I just think slowly people are beginning to wake up and say, hang on a minute, what do you mean you gave a billion pounds to your mates? What do you mean? What do you mean you spent 14 million pounds on an app that you've now scrapped? You know, how is that even possible? Oh, yeah. you, know, you know, so I think, um, I think slowly things are, are coming out and people, are, and people do care. I mean, even though, you know, you've got the BBC and ITV saying nobody cares. Nobody cares about, you know, the prime minister and his fiance spending 840 pounds on a roll of, uh, I was going to say newspaper, a roll of wallpaper, uh, oh. I mean, people do care who paid for it. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's still my fiance. Still, <laughs> still, Dawn. <laughs> Even after the woman come and said, yes, I was having sex with him and he was giving me government money for my business that no one's ever heard of. He's still oh, yeah. my fiance. And, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. She and, ain't going nowhere. And the other baby mamas? 
well, how many baby mamas? Can you imagine, Dave? <laughs> can, can, no, can you imagine if he was a black man going into number 10 and they say how many? Can you imagine? Imagine if Boris Johnson was the representative for Brent Central. They'd be like, well, typical. He's got three baby mothers and uh, domestic abuse. Well, we can imagine yeah. who he is. And then his blonde yeah. man shows up and goes, they'd be like, well, this is not the Brent we envisioned. So, hmm. yeah, imagine. I know. Baby mothers, and he gets you know. away with it. They, gets away with it. Like, how many kids have you got? Well, I can't remember. What do you mean you can't remember? And he can't, <laughs> he's not even allowed. He's not. They're not even allowed a name. You know what? Mm. I'm just saying. Yeah. You, you know that kid, Calvin Johnson, who's the mixed race kid who denies racism exists in the UK. I'm just saying. Yes. I've never seen him and Boris <laughs> in the same room. But <laughs> I'm just saying. Not to, not to, not to, make, not to, not to bring up old memories, but I won't believe it until I see a birth certificate. Well, on that bombshell, Calvin Johnson is a half black man who does not believe in racism, and Boris Johnson hides his children. Uh, it all adds up. I want to see a breath <laughs> On that bombshell, Dane, I think it's probably best we have a question as the format of this show dictates. Absolutely. So as to avoid any uh, accusations of gender. Uh, uh, Dawn Butler, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. And we invite you to ask the first question, which we'd like to discuss for about 15 minutes or so. Not Prime Minister style, but just normal, regular questions. Mm. Any question you would like, uh, of no matter what topic or what taboo you consider, you can discuss it. And then we'll do that for 15 minutes. And then Howard will ask a question, which we'll discuss for 15 minutes. Then I'd like to pose a question to you for the final 15 minutes. And then um, if you could let our good listeners know where they can find out more about the current work you're doing as far as the youth service and just working as a civil servant. And just, yeah, maybe just to uh, advise and enlighten our listeners as to best use their vote while we still have a democratic society. Uh, so how does that sound? I, I think that sounds spot on. Amazing. And you're absolutely right about whilst we've still got a democratic society because, you know, they're trying to change it. Well, there you go. So um, with that being said, uh, the floor is open for you to ask the first question, please. So, so my first question is on the 6th of May, we are going to have elections, mayoral elections in London. And this is sort of the first time where it's, it's almost a secret election. Like it's not hmm. really being spoken about much. Really. Lots of people don't even realise that there is an election. I mean, my mum called me this morning and she's like, Don, they say we have to vote for more than one president. She, you know, she, she was like, what is this? Who am I voting for? And I thought, this is really a big deal. Right? This yeah. is a big election um, for London and people don't know and they don't know how to vote. And lots of people are going to have a postal vote for the first time. Lots of people won't have left the house in 12 months and, yeah. you know, they're expected to go and vote. I mean, do, are people talking about the election? Do they know how they're going to vote? Do they know who the candidates are? So my question is that. Do, and, and, and the thing that's so interesting about it is, and, and listen, Dawn, maybe uh, in, a, in, a, in a year or six months' time, come back on and we'll talk about how it went. Uh, mm. <laughs> because, because you know, the the nature of this election is so... And like you say, it's so it seems such an un, unimportant thing in the you know the, what what you know go on the big newspaper headlines. It's not there, right? It's not a thing, but it obviously is important. Why? Why would you if you were trying to explain to someone <laughs> why it's so important this election? Why? Why does it matter so much? Because it's it's the future of London. What London's going to look like? How we're going to 
act like, whether you're going to have somebody who's going to buddy up, you know, with this government that's the most right-wing draconian government that our country is ever going to be in my lifetime, and I think this country has ever seen, that's trying to take away every single democratic right that we have. Listen, this kind of government, if Charles Dickens saw this, he'd be like, bro, man can't write this, oh, is it? It's a bit much. Eggs. Exactly. They'll be like, no way. This dystopian future is like, are you kidding me? I mean, if you're, you know, one of the things that, um, and I mentioned the other day that, that, um, is a rumor, um, but somebody has seen it, but they've told me, but it's alleged because it's a rumor and they could change their mind. It's like, if you're 30 or under, you will need to have two negative COVID tests and then you would need to apply for a freedom pass to essentially leave your house, you know, and go and do things. I mean, who, what, what, you know, we need somebody who's going to stand up for London. You know, strange, we need some strange behavior from a constituency where they're the, the, the leader of their party is still not okay with the use of condoms, but yeah, well, cause we don't know, <laughs> he doesn't know how many kids he has. So, well, ex- exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, and also, you know, can you imagine he gave a hundred and this is like our prime minister gave a hundred and twenty six thousand pounds of public money mm. to his uh, what so, would you call her side chick like a, a side chick to his side chick nobody or, or, cares or mistress if you're generation X or older yeah. nobody cares you know and she came out with a yes we were having an affair for four years. I didn't even read about it's like real how can all of this happen and nobody cares why doesn't anybody well actually that's a lot I think people do care and I know that it's been hard and there's so many things you know that's happening but I just think wow we need to make sure we use our vote wisely on the sixth of the, May. the bit that kind of complicates it and I'm sure Dane you got a lot to say about this it's just that you know you kind of I definitely think there's a we've entered an era where people maybe aren't as disenfranchised as they potentially once were. I think there was a there was a sense of now that people have have slightly not everyone obviously, but slightly become politicized in an era where there were things to politicize them like Brexit, which like mm. or lump it, it definitely politicized some people and got them in, in, in talking about stuff. You know, whether he had anything to do with how our countries run, Donald Trump definitely put people on one side of a conversation or the other. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that manifests itself in a scenario like this, where it it isn't as politicised as um, and kind of polarised as that. But obviously the options still feel that way, right, Dane? As in, if you ask one of our listeners whether they voted Tory or Labour... You're going to have an opinion about them based on whether not not necessarily local issues, right? You always have a, a sense of where their perspective is on on, on the world right now, right, Dane? Yeah, I mean, I would take into account when you are con- uh, con- contemplating the factors that can affect political awareness. Definitely, don't leave out social media, particularly the actions of uh, you know data uh, miners like Cambridge Analytica. So, so far as awareness now, you have to contextualize that along the lines of the collective digital consciousness of people, particularly with algorithms. So it stands to reason, Dawn and Howard, I believe that it's there is a concerted effort with commercial interests to distract people from issues like uh, the London mayoral election, um, especially because this uh, election is the first time I've seen where there was one draw, a draw artist, Joe Minster, who was a candidate. And uh, there's a YouTube influencer whose uh, name escapes me, who's actually also applying to become London mayor, um, as well as Lawrence Fox, I believe is... Uh, campaigning for London Mayor as a part of the Freedom Party. Um, And I feel that 
people have a rudimentary awareness of it, but I think there are several machinations that are taking place, both from the existing government as well as uh, the lobbyists that support the existing government that are deliberately causing this stratification and distraction for people so they don't have any awareness, uh, awareness of it. So I think the short answer I would say is that I think people do care about the mayor election, but I think that when you juxtapose the status of London mayor versus, you know, constituents within parliament, um, industrialists that are involved in the way London is run, I think a lot of people see the position of London mayor as being relatively impotent. I don't think people really see um, the, especially because, I mean, wasn't Boris Johnson the mayor before he became prime minister? He was. I mean, so then I would imagine that uh, the, uh, the state of the office has been left in considerable amount of disrepair since uh, it might be the extent where people are like, Oh, well, if Boris can do it, why do we even care? It may be some, maybe some of his supporters argue that now that the former mayor is now in a uh, ministerial position, he could probably affect more lasting changes. But um, I would mm-hmm. argue uh, if someone's going to put bikes all over your city and not have those bikes come with helmets, they don't really give a fuck about you. Um, Cause why would you make bikes without helmets? I guess that's why you make mm-hmm. children without protection. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, sca- you know what scares me about that day is that, um, the thing is that they busy distracting people that will vote sort of labor. Um, whilst they'll make sure on the other hand that they're galvanizing their people to vote Tory. And then the next thing, you know, you know, we run the risk of having a Tory candidate who's going to literally destroy our city. And I say that not with any glee, you know, because I, I love London. I am a Londoner through and through. I was born in London. I love London. But I just, I worry about what they would do if they got their hands on our city and they're in government. I mean, it's a real huge worry I, 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 I'd, be, I'd be very worried. I think we should already be worried. Like London is still the economic centre of the UK. Uh, a third of uh, the UK's residents commute in and out of London in order for them to support that system. Now, if you, the way I see it, the foreboding is that, as you said, if we do um, just kind of allow for this... Uh, for that Tory, the Tory presence to be with a part of the London uh, mayoral uh, candidacy, candidacy as well, then you may see instances whereby social services, uh, youth services, health services that have already been affected by austerity could see themselves being completely eroded. Um, mm-hmm. I was in central London yesterday and I was thinking, oh, you know, lockdown was cool because it allowed for wildlife to flourish. But then I also remember that you're no more, no further than six feet away from a rat in London. And in with a government that has repealed um, pest control uh, and is not really even keeping commercial businesses particularly buoyant at the moment, that is very worrying. I find it very worrying, even with the current mayor, uh, current mayor and his building of these uh, ULEZ zones. I mean, it's all very nice, but at the same time, you know, with Britain, has, the UK has already said goodbye to uh, large swathes of its automotive industry due to Brexit and due to outsourcing. Um, the petrochemical industry, which is dotted throughout the UK, will be obviously be disproportionately affected by this. And also the fact that I think it's a short-term solution to try and like um, boost the coffers of uh, transport for London because you have a government that refuses to subsidise a service which is required for all of London. And so they've had to try and levy that cost against uh, you know the consumer who itself mm. keeps London kind of ticking and thriving. Mm. And okay. yeah, I just think that there's been some very short-term solutions or some band-aids putting on some gaping wounds within London. Mm. And yeah, I agree with you. I think if people were aware of the policies that this government may have, but then 
what you have is the problem is people don't care because what you have is a ongoing narrative from mainstream, particularly tabloid media, that keeps reinforcing this idea that London is this hotbed of debauchery, iniquity and youth violence. And so people mm. are so focused on what appear to be solutions to remedy these things that they're not really focusing on infrastructure and continued economic prosperity and sustainability. And, you know, all the things that would make London the great city it's supposed to be. Like I find it strange that, you know, in a country where, you know, power and access to power is is sparse, you have someone who is openly campaigning to make it a more ecological environment. Well, why don't any government buildings have solar panels? Mm. Dawn, do, do you yeah. think that, that what, what do you think this campaign, this election will be won on? What, what is what, If you were thinking of what would be the defining kind of factors, what do you think will lead to the victories? What I'm hoping for is that it will be won on um, Sadiq's record as as mayor of London and all the good. I mean, he hasn't done everything right, but, it, you know, it's in the right direction. So I'm hoping that people will see what he's done in regards to, you know, cleaner air, in regards to uh, investing in youth services. So I, I'm hoping that that will be what people go out and vote for. What I'm worried about is this um, Trump-style campaign that the Tories are running. You know, they're really running. You know, if you're on Facebook, they're targeting you with these horrible messages. You know, it's very much about sowing division. You know, they say that, you know, we're talking about a culture war when it's them. They're the ones that are trying to create this culture war. And it's, you know, they're just gaslighting you. They're like an abusive partner, you know, and you really have just got to, like, cut them loose and, and let them go, really. Yeah. I, I mean, at the, ver- at the very least, remove the heads of this government. Like, if the conservative narrative is about, like, lower taxation and supporting a free economy and having holding on to conservative beliefs, then the leader of your party cannot be a man with three baby mothers who steals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, shocking. Even, even if you do, even if you do adhere to all of the tenets of land and title and ownership and free and a free economy and low taxation, you know, and the quasi-republican values that we know a lot of people have, maybe I can't change those in a day. That's fine. But that person cannot be the best of you. A man that is questioned about his constituency or his ministerial status who jumps in a fridge, yeah, is not someone that I would trust. If I were to see an oncologist. And I asked him for the results of my biopsy and he jumped in a fridge. I would not have confidence <laughs> in him. No, it's not a great yeah. sign, is it really? No. They're not no. feeding your children. I'll yeah. say it again if you're listening. They're not feeding your children. 140 million track and trace. They are not feeding your freaking kids. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having a debate on whether children should go hungry in our country? Right. How can we have a debate about that? Can you imagine saying to them, how comes you gave 13 million pounds to a pest control company to provide us with PPE and they didn't do it? Where's the money Even gone? Even though you removed like, can... pest control from the government in the first place. Exactly. They don't make You're any like... sense. £126,000 for a woman to go away and not even come back with a breast implant, Dawn. (laughs) The boobs are still 40 years old. (laughs) It's mad. And the idea that even, I think that one of the things that constantly puzzles me is, you know, when you kind of see how many people seem to not see through the lack of integrity. That's the bit Mm. that kind of upsets me. And, you know, 
I don't know. He's dead, Howard. That's why. Because you just watched a man who said he grabs women by the pussy be a president for four years. Integrity yeah. is it's over. You just saw yeah. Prince Andrew sit on TV and be like, yeah, it's, I don't sweat. So I know. that's why. But we, but they're testing us. See, I think it's a test. Yeah. You see, I think, you know, I remember reading about, you know, these social experiments where they test, but they drip, drip feed people bullshit yeah. to see how much of it you will take before mm. you turn around and say, well, actually, hang on a minute. You're not going to kid me anymore. And I think that's what it has been. I think it's been like a drip, drip thing. And I think it's time for people to kind of wake up and say, hang on, I'm not going to allow you to do this. And as soon as, you know, whenever I question you, you run in a fridge, as you say, Dane, or I question you, they say, but I'm standing by a union, Jack. That means that I'm patriotic, (laughs) you know, but you're not feeding our kids, but I'm standing by a union, Jack. That means, but you're not looking after our veterans, but I'm standing by a union, Jack. You know, it's like, we've got to call out the bullshit. It's almost like the power of, um, I always listen to some of these kind of conversations, Dawn, and think about the power of Putin, uh, and how mm. Vladimir Putin's impact on the world and how a lot of people have looked at that guy and gone, it seems to be kind of working out for him. Um, and, you know, he is a man who has sown confusion and um, distraction tactics. Yeah, because he, that's because he was trained by mm. the secret police. So for him to be employing KGB tactics should not be surprising to anyone. Mm. But by the same token, it's like, you know, while people say he's getting away with it, Russia, you know, has its own internal issues and... I mean, Russia's economy collapsed years ago, mm. years and years and years ago. So even mm. though people think they're prospering, there is a massive underclass within Russia that you just don't really see. What and It's funny, even when you talk about the UK, and one of my fears for London is that essentially we're going to have an aesthetic, which is or a landscape, economic landscape, very similar to uh, France, in that you may have a city of wealthy oligarchs and millionaires and billionaires. And in the suburbs, you're going to have people that have been reduced back to like Camerouche-style rural living. That's how far we're going. And the people that might be like, that sounds extreme. They're not even feeding your children. Even if you are someone who holds onto these ideals and is tenets of a a free economy and deregulation, you gave your money to bankers. Yeah. That made you preferential shareholders. If they're reporting profits as preferential shareholders, you should be getting the dividend. So at the very least, if you believe in a tenets that you support this idea of economic deregulation, where are our dividends? Hmm. That's why we can't, that's why we can't allow that. We cannot allow, you know, we cannot allow the Tories to win London. We just can't, we cannot, we can't, we cannot, you know, we cannot, we, we cannot literally afford for that to happen. And that's why I just think it's important that everybody, if you're not, you know, if you're not registered for a postal vote, just go out and vote, wear your mask, wear your gloves, mm. you know, and, go out um, and, vote. and I think uh, it, f- to open up the show with that question is perfect because it makes us feel like we're in a place of current, uh, discussion as this show comes out, and um, uh, I think people can listen back to this episode after the election's over and and make their own judgment on what we were saying and what happened. My question is another question about politics for you, Dawn. Uh, that really fascinates me because I'm not a politician, and maybe one day uh, Dane will be a politician, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I'd love uh, to see that. I don't well, know. Yeah, when it will happen. I'm, 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 we'll see how it goes for you, Dawn. I'm just following, following the inspiration. <laughs> Waiting wait, 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 wait his, wait his ter- chance, really, uh, to, to do it. But I was going to say uh, that my question for you is about what what people outside of politics, what do, what do people outside of politics not understand about life inside politics? 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's such a, it seems like such an exclusive world (laughs) to us. You know, there's all these, so few people who represent uh, all these constituencies around the, the 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 country and yet we we all have an opinion about what you're doing you get crap from lots of different people from lots of different angles uh what do we not understand about what it's like being inside it mm. i mean um on that somebody sent me an email you know complaining about the bbc coverage and i'm like that's just not my remit understand <laughs> what my remit is i can't get the bbc to cover stuff but um so what don't people understand? So uh, sometimes that demarcation, people don't understand the demarcation between MPs and your local council. So that often gets confused. But I think within parliament, you have, you know, the people in government and, uh, and you have government ministers, then you have MPs, then you have your opposition and we're all on the other side. So we're all oppositions on the other side. You know, mm. you've got your Labour, your SNP, your Lib Dem, you know, Northern, you know, you've got all of us on the opposition. And I think what, what is difficult sometimes to understand is that very few people make the decisions. Mm-hmm. And normally it's the prime minister and his cabinet that make the decision. This government has ensured it's literally just the prime. It was pr- the prime minister and Dominic Cummings, but now he's he was on the inside of the tent. Now he's on the outside of the tent. Hmm. Um, and what what they try to do, uh, Boris Johnson, was to try and close down Parliament so that MPs, the rest of us, didn't even have a say in what they were doing, and uh, that's what they tried to do. And what what. What normally happens outside of COVID is that we get to question prime, we get to question the prime minister, all these ministers on everything that they say, um, all of the policies, all of the legislation that comes out. What's happened since COVID is, um, and the COVID regulations, the new COVID <laughs> 2020 Act, is that this government gave themselves unfettered powers hmm. to do whatever they want, when they want, without coming to parliament. That is unprecedented and it's dangerous because it means they can do stuff behind our backs and we don't even know sometimes we're just finding things out for the first time you know they like they spent the government spent 400 million pounds on something called OneWeb, which is they bought some satellites nobody knew about that <laughs> found out by accident found out by accident the government are planning 
to, to give £800 million to a new science agency. They don't want us to know who's going to run it. There's not going to be any FOIs allowed. You know, the government decided that for COVID, they can fine people for being, you know, for walking outside. Uh, and they decided how much they were going to fine people. At one stage, they were saying you could be fined, it still is up to £10,000, right? Now, this was under Section 21, I think it was, of the COVID Act. Every single fine that the police did under the Act was found to be unlawful in the court of law. Hmm. So this is how dangerous this government is. This government is dangerous. And to be honest, you know, even Parliament, I've stood up time and time again, and even parliamentarians are just like walking blind into this. And I think it's because there are so many things happening. We're trying to tackle that sleaze and corruption, you know, that area of concern. So many, but, you know, that tactic's been used all the time. So mm. it is complicated to understand, but I think, yeah, there's a lot. And and obviously there's the stuff that we work hard and people don't think that politicians work hard, but we do. But because it's also your, you Most know, the, of us. the bit that, <laughs> but the bit that's interesting to me is always the, the, details right so like you know like um let's talk i'll give an example of why i was so interested to kind of talk about this is like i'd say and dane you tend to back me up on this that that the the climate emergency and the environmental emergency in our world is probably if you're writing the list of important things probably at the top um because if the world ends because the climate and environment is screwed then uh that's probably not going to matter much about other things to do with economy and stuff if the world ends. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, to actually make inroads into that mm. one subject and kind of make change to how this country address it. Dane often talks about, we, how often do we talk about solar panels? <laughs> you know, like... To, just just, uh, just sustainable and renewable energy. Like, it, for me, it just, it just mm. seems like, it just seems paradoxical that you'd be trying to think about low emission zones and then mm-hmm. not creating alternate energy sources or the fact that like, you know, the increase in, you know, cost to the power grid just by the merit of increasing populations, more movement towards London or mm-hmm. people moving out of London, which means you're going to have a more sophisticated mm-hmm. grid that's going to be required. So we don't have to live in a state of constant blackouts like somewhere in the States or Nigeria at this point. Mm-hmm. So for me, and also it saves money for your government. If you have to have municipal buildings where you're able to have alternate energy sources, you're not as dependent upon providers of utilities and energy and power, especially when you're dealing with something like a NHS on the verge of being privatised or dealing with, you know, infrastructure that has been affected by the pandemic. It, for me, it just makes more sense. Not only that, if you do introduce a scheme whereby you're trying to refine the infrastructure to make it more sustainable, you know what that's going to create? Jobs. For whom? The working class. Who People forget the reason why they're called the working class because they used to fucking work. Mm, and the thing yeah. about it is just that, that, that therefore, you know, this is a good example, right, Dawn? Like, that, you know, me and Dane, two blokes sitting here saying, well, why is, why is there not um, uh, solar panels everywhere? Why are there not solar panels? And, and, and it'd be interesting to hear your insight on why it's so hard to make something like that happen. Uh, and I, yeah, I so because this government uh, has decided, so we are now... Uh, 15 years behind where we should be because when this government came in they did absolutely no- because they were they were beholden to big money mm-hmm. right they did nothing in regards to um sustainable energy so all of the stuff around subsidies for instance for uh, uh, solar panels 
this government decided to scrap all that and yeah. put the money elsewhere. So instead of us spending time looking at um, wave technology, you know, wind, solar, Instead, yeah, instead of us committing to um, technology transfer of other countries, this government decided to scrap all that and focus on something completely irrelevant that doesn't help us uh, with sustainability. And, you know, when I talked about this new science agency called ARIA that this government's invested £800 million to, we said to them, whatever ARIA does, it needs to be um, net net zero mm. in terms of like his emissions. So this is supposed to be a new science arm that's supposed to look at forward thinking technology, all the stuff, you know, that nobody else thinks about, all that big blue sky thinking, right? And we're like, okay, well, make sure whatever it is, you take into consideration that it's going to be net zero. They were like, well, that's why are you restricting what they can do? And you're thinking, hang on a minute, isn't that the most important thing facing, facing us, you know, as a world going forward why would that not be part of the consideration it makes no sense but i think again it's down to follow the money and you're right why shouldn't there be solar panels on every building not this that we had um we had a strategy to ensure that all churches uh roofs were replaced with solar paneling mm -hmm. because a lot of the churches for instance were having their roofs nicked because it was lead-based yeah. um you know sort of very random i know but anyway hmm. so um so we were like right okay let's have a policy so that all and uh, apparently back in the days churches but well, this is like really random nerdy stuff but apparently churches were built all sort of south facing so they get a lot of sun mm. right so yeah. if you solar panel the roofs of church, uh, churches will be able to generate a lot of electricity and, and build it back into the grid the conservative government just scrapped all of that you know no consideration so you think where's the forward thinking in all of this it's um but, it's but there's there's no they don't care even just a slightly tangent off to the fact that that the government said this isn't there's not any racism in this country right they they did a report that said there was no racism in this country and i feel like it would be rude to not bring this up because i mean we're on episode 100 and something of this podcast i don't think this podcast would have made it this far if there weren't issues of racism in this country that we want to confront and discuss and not necessarily just you know there's a kind of there is a culture of finger pointing through social media and sometimes that's needed but also just discursive you know conversations are needed and and, and how difficult did you find that report dawn must have just been biz bizarre just I, I mean if i'm honest with you howard i can't even be asked to talk about it anymore <laughs> you know it's so it's it's, I mean, it's so, as I say, this government is like an abusive partner. It's abusive. They're well, abusive. One thing we can talk about is not, not the, we, we, let's not even get into bemoaning the results of the report, Howard. Someone got paid, yeah, to go <laughs> and carry that piece of paper and the photocopies and staple it together. That's what concerns me. Because <laughs> if you're going to say that, why do, you, why do it in the first place? It's rude. I mean, it's, it's rude. rude. It's it's abusive, as I say. And as I said on the floor of the House in Parliament, this is, this is national gaslighting by our government. You know, we've seen the hostile environment that this government has bestowed upon uh, black people from the Windrush generation. This is national gaslighting at a level. And they are, they put their, their black MPs to the front to talk about this with such, with such passion, you know, and I felt 
shame and uh, and embarrassed, right? And I don't want to feel shame and embarrassed for for this government, but I did in that moment. And and let me tell you something, right? When I was when we were in Parliament and we were discussing this report, um, I was watching uh, Theresa May's face, and even Theresa May, who presided over the hostile environment look stunned what was coming out of the mouth of the minister even she looked uh, exasperated well, and like, couldn't right, believe I, it that, i mean i tried to diplomatically chat shit but that's just openly chatting shit that's why she's yeah. standing there because for someone she's like but, but i've been there when you've said it <laughs> absolutely absolutely i remember the the minister Amber-Marie-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-Morris-
But they, they're, they're, they're appealing to a certain, they're appealing to us. It's red meat to a certain group and that's who they're appealing to. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Well, I think it, that's it, what it is. it's important to just, just say that that, that, to, to, to discuss it in the way we have, hopefully for the last 15 minutes or so, I think is vital because it's, it, it, I, th- I do think people should understand that the, the issues face trying to make changes. And, and, and I know Dane's question feeds perfectly into what we've just been discussing. Um, and so over to you, Dane, to, to kind of provide this final question for today's show. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the question was conclusive for the audience, but I think, you know, what people don't understand about uh, politics whether it's positively and, and then the preconceptions they have positive and negatively, I think is large down to a lack of awareness. I think, like I said, you pick up most tabloid newspapers and read it back. Most of the laity, most people could tell you the starting 11 for England's football team. If you put a gun to someone's child's head and said, you name me 11 members from the cabinet, they would not be able to do it. And I think that that obliviousness is manufactured by mainstream media and other lobbyists that support government as it exists. But I say that to say this, Dawn, is that like, obviously... I'm aware of the work you do. I'm aware of people like yourself, as I was aware of, uh, you know, as I'm aware of David Lammy, as I'm aware, I was aware of uh, Una King, who tried to get on the show before. Um, but I think, you know, speaking from the perspective as a descendant of the Windrush generation and the diaspora, there's always been some element of detachment from bipartisan politics um, because of, I guess, I guess because of a collective feeling of disenfranchisement. Uh but obviously people like yourself are actively working to empower people like myself and others on a larger scale. But I sometimes wonder how effective that is because there are obviously a massive amount of intersectionality of the diaspora. And there are, we all have our collective needs, whether it's our needs for equality, uh, opportunities for self-determination, opportunities for just civil and human rights within the UK, acknowledgement of discrimination, but I'm also aware that black people, even by the nature of the members of the parliament that supported this, sit at different points of the bipartisan political spectrum. Um, so, and in, and in many ways, there are people I know who I would say might vote Labour, but in terms of their theological views and maybe their views towards capital gain, especially coming from historically impoverished communities, hold quasi-conservative views. But at the same time, our needs, so far as being black people, are the same. So... I guess my question is, would it serve, and I think someone may have asked before, but I wanted your perspective, would it serve for there to be a black political or voting caucus? And if not, are there elements of the of your party or politics in or or just the political landscape in general that you think uh, black people would be it'd be useful for us to identify with politically? Um, I think it's always powerful if there can be a collective voice on issues. Mm-hmm. So, and I think sometimes we don't um, we we don't collectively understand our power as you know as a voting block. I mean, there was something like oh, I can't remember uh, two hundred or so constituencies where uh, if all black people voted one way, you know, you you could swing that seat yeah and so people don't know this because i saw yeah. uh you know the guy uh spack nation the head of Spack nation pastor toby oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he yeah. very recently put out a video where he was questioning why black people don't vote and i think mm. he's doing that because he's making mps aware that he's able to leverage black votes via his church mm. and so trying to find out what how people can incentivize him to direct his flock because i would say that one of the biggest 
collective ideological uh, movements that black people are a part of would be more about Christianity and stuff. So, mm. yeah, I, I just think, you know, like you said, are we aware of our power as a voting caucus? Yeah. And also, like for some people, so it was something like one in uh, one in five black people not registered to vote, but only, um, was that the right way? No, four in five black people weren't registered mm. to vote, something like that, but one in five white people. So there was like, there was a huge number of black people not registered to vote. And sometimes I think people see it as part of the system. And they yeah. don't want to get involved in the system. Definitely. And politics doesn't matter. And, and, and also because a lot of black people are afraid that if they give over their voting registration details, they're going to have a bailiff at their door or a debt collector. Yeah, stuff like that, like wanting to come, you know. Manufacture poverty and, and stuff, yeah, and come off grid so they're not yeah. liable to like creditors and stuff. Yeah, which isn't the case because, you know, you should register to vote and actually it helps your credit rating than anything else and it can't be used for anything else. And you can also um, come off of the electoral register so it's not public in the public domain. Um, so, yeah, some people say, oh, it doesn't bother me or it doesn't affect me, but absolutely everything that we do is affected by politics. Like there's nothing that you do in life and society from the moment you you know, open the door. The moment you wake up in the morning, so, everything when you're, when you're is birth, political. When your birth certificate is signed and your national insurance comes through, you're in the system. Yeah, everything is political. And I just think, but I, but I also understand like people being activists and not sometimes equating that activism to politics. And we've got to do better at, you know, making sure people understand that that activism is politics and more welcoming. You know, politics needs to be more welcoming too. It needs to be more understanding. You need to have more politicians come on your podcast, for instance. You know, you need to have politicians that are all right. Just, you know, let's have a conversation. Let's speak. I mean, and some we'd welcome politicians- people on from any any yeah. group, we would have happily talk to a conservative MP about issues I that mean, we might not we'll agree be, on. We'll be, we'll be civil, but I can't say I'll be happy about it. But that's but not what politics are, guys. It's not, it's not happy, yeah, happy, exactly. happy. <laughs> it's, 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 You've got to have discourse, right? Like, you know, it might be yeah. that we get to understand something that we don't always understand. I think that's 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 one of the problems, isn't it, Dawn? That you seem to yeah, you know, kind of end up with those kinds of issues. Yeah, absolutely. And those people who, you know, yes, of course, I'm a Labour MP, I'm a Labour politician. um, But, you know, it doesn't mean that I always agree with the Labour's position on things, you know, so and it's important for us to have that discussion and talk about that so people sort of understand, you know, what I'm about, you know, where my focus lies. And have a larger understanding of how politics works. Just because you may be a member of a party doesn't mean you agree with every single aspect of it. These are the important things. And I think we have simplified political identity because of manipulation through social media, because we tend to see our ideological platitudes as binary of being either zero or one. I'm this or I'm this. And that's not how things work. Most people, this is where the the historic existence of the term centrist was that we are aware that some people sat at different parts of the political spectrum. And the function of politics is to find a happy medium between all of these ideologies where we can all function as a society. Mm, absolutely. Like if you take, for instance, take the mayoral elections, right? The, you know, Sadiq has been the most green mayor and he works with the Green Party on lots of issues. And so, you know, in this election, you know, it's like lots of people who would normally support Green will support Sadiq mm-hmm. for the mayor. And then, you know, for the list, which is um, all the other assembly members, they will then support Green and then Labour, etc. And it will be sort of interchangeable. So that's why it's important. And it's important to work together on issues that we care about and believe in. How can Sean Bailey be, say I was brought up in foster care and then represent a, a, a party that has eroded any care for foster care? 
Well, about you know, that's, they turned it back on him anyway. So, yeah. Whatever. I mean, well, this is, that was interesting, right? That they, that so, they did that. But not but, surprising. But thing, not surprising. Uh, no, no, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't come to a surprise to me or you might have yeah. come a surprise to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. it, but it didn't, the rest but of us, yeah, yeah, we weren't surprised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We saw yeah, that bus coming from a mile off before he stepped into it, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, Absolutely. It, it is a, it is a fascinating thought because, I think in America, we always look at America, right, Dane, and, you know, kind of the politicization, yeah, the politicization yeah. of, of, of the black conscious in America, I think is, is, is growing. And obviously, you know, statistically, I think it's 3% of the British population is, is black. Is that right? In that it might be bigger now. It's, it's, it might be, I think it might be 7% now. And I'm not sure if that's including people of dual heritage, depending mm. on what application form you fill in. But I would say, because, I mean, there's been, you know, actually, obviously Dawn's emergence as well and being very vocal about issues that pertain to the diaspora in the UK. But then also the very straight, there was this very weird attempt to try and uh, liken Chuka Umana to Barack Obama. Hmm. And he's now with the Lib Dems. So I think one of the reasons to ask I the question. I think I think Dane he may have played a little role in that. But anyway, carry yeah, on. Yeah, no, of course, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. I don't I don't doubt that for a second because and that's the thing is that like when we consider people like uh, Barack Obama, you know, you can talk to black people of a more liberal and sometimes conservative mm. disposition and the aesthetic of just having a black man in the presidency with a first lady also being of African American descent is enough for some people. But then there is a counter argument that I find, particularly from uh, people that would be considered activists, who always hasten to remind me and other people that our more prominent social political leaders, the Martins, the Malcolms, et al., did not sit on either end of the bipartisan political spectrum. Now, I could argue that that's because at the time those systems actively were marginalizing us. And so the opportunity for you to work within those systems to affect change wasn't possible. But at the same time, some people argue, like I said, I, I feel that maybe the needs of us as a people are very distinct from, there's a massive intersectionality, but there are distinct needs that are outside of the bipartisan political uh, narrative. Um, so, yeah, the, the second part of the question is kind of like, do you think it's is it about time that we can now sit comfortably and assert our spaces or our, our proverbial seat at the table within parliamentary institutions now? Or do you think there's still the merit of having a external or even maybe just just a external body like the BNP or the NF that or the Green Party that can influence bipartisan politics but with just the interest of the diaspora in in in, uh, in mind well i think it's i mean i think it's imperative that we that we are sat around the table um i mean and as much as you know the likes of Kemi baffles me um Not i me. think it's important <laughs> well i mean hon- honestly but i think it's important that you have representation in in all political parties but i also think that it's important that we understand that um just because you're black and you have a certain uh, lived experience so kemi can say i've never experienced racism right that's cool if that's her lived experience that's fine but that is not equal and you cannot give that equal weight to to me who has experienced 
racism. So they're they're not it's your lived experience, but it's irrelevant to the debate. It's also and, and, so and don't and, and don't obviously I am aware that you're a politician, you have to be diplomatic about it. Kemi, no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. You can find it on a fucking picture, you fucking idiot. You can find it on a picture. Even if you just Googled it, you could find it. Even if you Googled McPherson report, you could find it. There is historical basis to show you the existence of institutional racism. You can Google Sir Paul Condon, who is the head of the of, of the British of the Metropolitan Police. You can Google these things. Like there is no reason that you can make that assertion, even with your anecdotal evidence saying that I've never <laughs> because even you know there's a reason why they asked you to say it. Because if you, because really, truly, if they didn't exist, they wouldn't have asked you, Kemi, because up until this time, no one had heard of you. No one had even heard of you. And none of them would have been able to stand and say it. But I mean, but I don't think, like, I I know there was some people that have, like, that set up a, um, tried to set up a party just sort of of black people kind of thing. Mm. Um, I I, I think you know people are free to do whatever they they want to, but um, I I I don't think it will be very effective. Mm. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky which is, which, when which you is do fair, those. which is fair, and, mm. I, and I guess it's for the reason we discussed is that like there is no uh, unified relativity uh, theory of relativity when it comes to blackness and our our identity and what's good for us is good for others because like you said there are Kimmy Badenoks out there who probably would have politically identify with a lot of conservative rhetoric because there's going to be some kind of economic or political or professional benefit to them. Mm. So, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that kind of answers the question. It's not as straightforward as that. But then by that same token, I guess it's about if, however, wherever you want to sit on a, a sit at the table, you should still aspire to be there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Very, very well said. And there's been many things very well said in today's episode, Dane. I would say it was superb to have someone actively involved in politics on the show. We talk about it all the time, don't we, Dane? And Dawn has given a great Well, absolutely. I think a lot of the time when you hear people opining on issues of this nature, then you're told to stick to politics. So we went to the effort of speaking to a credible actual politician. So what are you going to say now, everybody? Nothing, that's what. Um, (laughs) Dawn, again, genuinely, um, thank you so much for all the work you do. And I think a lot of people talk a lot. um, So actively being involved within the system and taking that step, whatever the outcome is going to be over the you know next five to ten years, like I want you to know that we uh we celebrate your work and um yeah please could you just let listeners know because you know not through any willful ignorance may not be aware of the intricacies and nuances of the uh, mayor election so if you could let people know what they could do to find out more that would be great please. Absolutely, man. I just um, want to thank you guys as well. And I want to thank you for your work that you're doing, Dane, and like wishing you all the best with like your TV career oh, as well. And I and I do hope that we can get you in Parliament because actually we've got a deficit of black men in Parliament, and that's important. Yeah, um, but if people, yeah. yes, totally. So I mean, if people want to find out more, if people have got problems with their ballot papers, please contact their local authorities. Make sure that they're um, on the list that they're going to vote. They should have received a card, like it's got a little grey grey bit on it that says your, you know, take this with you to vote, but you don't need to take that with you to vote. You don't need no identification to go and vote, by the way, even though that's something else that this government is trying to bring in, that you need to bring photo ID to vote. Another thing that right-wing governments Coming from somebody who don't even know his own children, Rev. Right. (laughs) It's mad. It's absolutely mad. Absolutely, absolutely mad. So, you know, 6th of May, just (laughs) go down to your local uh, polling station and vote and, uh, 
and you know just because you know I'm Labour and I passionately believe in Sadiq and his work you know vote Labour but obviously you know um, and if there's if you need to know anything else just contact the Labour Party or you can go onto the Mayor's website and it gives you all the information there brilliant amazing it, it, it's been a joy dawn i'm so glad we made this happen it means i'm sure to our listeners it will mean something because it it puts this podcast in the kind of the current affairs of this country more which we we, we try and do but um they don't let us in isn't that enough so <laughs> I mean, these, and, these, and right now these are the questions that need to be asked especially when people are having Absolutely. their awareness being obscured from them by the current existing government Dawn, I just need you to know as well, yeah, if you get any Twitter trolls or anything like that, refer them to me. I've got all day for the smoke. <laughs> and I, and I, 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 I'm not limited to anything. Spend the day. Spend the day on yeah, my yeah. timeline, Dane. Just spend the day. It. Spend the day on my timeline because they come out thick and fast. But, Leave you know. it with me, madam. I will be your Twitter. I will be your Twitter knight. <laughs> Thank, you so Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Dawn. It's been Amazing. great. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was Dawn Butler. You can follow Dawn on Twitter and Instagram at DawnButlerBrent. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheHowardCohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at WeAreAudioCulture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly, and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.